It's Typo Waffle Time! Welcome to Tiffle Waffle. Where Steve Waffles and I Tiffles. That's a verb, right? <laughs> yes, it is. We waffle and tiffle at the same time. Today's topic is uh, I came across an article which I want to share with okay. you and with our audience called How to Be a Boring Teacher. <laughs> Great topic, right? Good title. Okay, so the basis of this is uh, a lot of the research... Oh, wait. What? For once, we should actually plug the person who wrote it, because we've oh. done this before, and, and we always go, do you know who wrote that? No. Okay, so Luke Prodromer. When's it from? When's it from? 1973. No, no. Uh, I don't know. Hang on. Uh, 2001. Okay. So, Luke... Podromo is a Greek. A lot of the stuff that he writes is about the... He's an English teacher, but he's from Greece. Wait, he's an English language teacher who teaches English in in Greece? In Greece. Or he did in any case. I I think he's moved now. But but a lot of what he wrote was about the status of a non-native language teacher and... When you started writing... Yeah, high school teacher, university, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, but anyway, this article is about the, the concept of what is good practice is difficult to pinpoint. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to prescribe this is the way to teach and this is the way not to teach. Sorry, this is the way to teach. But there, but what he wrote here is, it's very easy to, to, to it's very difficult to describe what is a, a, a good teacher, but it's very easy to describe what is a bad teacher. Absolutely, yeah. I, okay. I would fully agree with that. Right, so so it's easy to prescribe bad pr- practice, but it's very difficult to prescribe good practice, if that makes any sense. It does to me, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna tell you his, his tips for how to be a boring teacher. Okay. And we'll discuss them, because that's really good. And he writes it really as if he's giving you advice on how to be a boring teacher. Okay, so point number one, are you ready? Let the students do nothing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he says, that's right, just let them sit and do nothing all class. Um, oh, so when they say, free time teacher, you go, yep. Or actually, no, in this case, you're saying, free time, guys. No, it's not that. It's you take register, you read from the text, and the students sit and listen to you. Oh, so it's let the student be passive. Y- yes, that's right. Let the students do nothing while so you do your, all the work. your job is to kill time. Well, your job is to work hard. The student's job is to sit quietly and watch you working hard. Okay. Um, You write on the board, you rub, you clean the board by yourself, you say clever things, okay, Okay. all that kind of stuff. Um, This sounds to me like a, a, a question of planning. I could so much more easily save time by doing all my work in class than doing it before class. Okay, it's going to take me an hour to prep this lesson, and the lesson's going to be two hours. Or I could do five minutes of prep by just reading the textbook before class, and then go into class and just read the textbook to them. Now, that means that if I'm doing it on a ratio basis... I had to work for two hours in class, but I didn't have to do the one hour of work before class. 
So I've only worked for two hours. Instead of three. Instead of three. But uh, that's not the way I think about it, though. I think about it as I did the one hour of work before class so that in the two hours of class, I'm only doing 30 minutes of work. I just have or to you can just enjoy, yeah. Or you can just enjoy the time that you've got with the students, yeah. which is, which is just then hanging out with a bunch of cool people. Um, yeah, and, and giving them giving them help and. Yeah. Um, so I've I've been in classes where <clears throat> the teacher's done an activity and it feels like things are winding down, and I I think to myself, oh, we've still got twenty minutes to go. What's um, the teacher going to do what's now? What's the teacher going to? And the teacher says, right, and now, and pulls out another activity, and it's so cool when a teacher does that, where it's there's a whole bunch of secret things waiting to be done, and you you. As the student, you're sitting in the class going, wow, I wonder what's next. Um, okay. I like that. Yeah. As a student. Okay. Point number two. Um, I don't know what we're going to do with this, but I think we're going to see if we can add any more. Teach the book. Oh. So start at page one and just go through until you All get right, to guys, the end. All right, guys, do exercise one, right. please. Now okay, now check two. your answers with your partner. Yeah. Now tell me the answer. Now, do exercise two, or I've actually seen worse, which is, do exercise one, good, are you finished? Right, now do exercise two, yeah, without yeah. even what was your answer, or check your answer with your partner. So, or Luke's got a really good quote here. He says, in this set of uh, advice here, remember, the textbook, the textbook is your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not to be tampered with, questioned, or rewritten. I mean, what kind of religious freak would try to write his own Bible? Okay. Yeah, so and and he it's this right textbook writers can see everything they're omniscient they know everything um, they've predicted everything they know exactly what's well, going to happen they're obviously the expert they're the people who got paid to write the book well and they wouldn't have written the book unless they were experts super yeah yeah that's right. so they know what's going on fair enough yeah just do the book yeah so yeah. Um, teacher what's the answer to exercise four. Uh, the answer is B. Why, teacher? It's in B. the answer key. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so this is point two of how to be a boring teacher. And it's true, actually. Um, Just stick to the book. Yeah. And don't, st- never do any of the exercises yourself. Just use the answer keys from the teacher's now, book. Now, why is that boring? Uh, you know, very early on in my career, somebody said to me, uh, if I can't remember how he phrased it, but it was basically he said, "If that's all you're going to do, then they could just put a tape recorder in the classroom and hit play." Well, or the student could just read the book at home. Yeah. Um. Which is the basis of some teaching methodology, actually. There's a silent pause there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, think about like the audio lingual method. That was a pregnant pause. Sorry. The audio lingual method. Uh, so there, oh, there's a version, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I repeat the sentence, and it's and it it was done in a lot of the textbooks. It was done in a way where it's actually just repeat the stuff that's on the tape. So the teacher literally was just the press player. Press um, I had a friend who worked at a school in Singapore once, and um, it was one of those drill and repeat schools. Yeah, uh, big name, lots of money. And she got into trouble once because she went off script. Uh, you know, the, there's a script yeah, yeah. and you have to... So you say the sentence and they say the sentence. You say it again, they say it again. You say it again, they say it again. Then you make a question, they make the question. You know, yeah. what is that? Um, 
and she chatted to the student and they found out that she had chatted to the student off script and she was warned. She was told if she's going to do that again, she needs to Think find about another school that she wants to work in because this school doesn't do that. Look, I mean, those are schools who I understand in a very cynical way the I don't trust my teachers thing. I understand well, it from a cynical perspective. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that there was a time in the 60s and in the 70s and 80s when the belief was that the methodology was what created the language learning, okay. not the teacher. And the school was, of course, selling the methodology, the methodology. not the teacher. Yeah, and I, I th- you still see that now with gyms. Gym, for example. This, yeah. We do pilates because that'll get you all the results that you ever need. The effort that you put in or the effectiveness of your trainer or uh, is is ignored. Your trainer is just a yeah. drill instructor. And um, I think some schools are still like that. We do the... We do the natural approach. The natural approach, yeah. There are very few of those schools left. But okay, we do the... Well, well, most of them many call, that are still no, around. Most of them call themselves. We do the in lingua approach. I, 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 uh, yes, yeah, we Wall Street method. We have the geos approach. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Number three. Be right all the time. <laughs> so this is the idea that the teacher must never be wrong. Knows everything. Is able to correct all the mistakes. Um, any contribution from the students is obviously going to be wrong because they don't know anything anyway. And um, all the knowledge that you ever need is going to come from your teacher. Who's getting it from the book. Yeah, and if a student makes a mistake, correct it immediately. Because that's the teacher's job. Why is that boring? Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, for me, um, I don't know, the students... yeah, your. I don't think it's an issue of correction. I think it's an issue of discouraging participation. Yeah. Don't try. Don't ask. Shut up and listen. Mm. It's it's discouraging participation, and I mean it's kind of hard. I I've had trainers who taught me like that before. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Uh, I don't understand what I'm doing. Just do it, and. I just circumvented it by turning to another student and going, do you know what's going on? What are we supposed to be doing? Yeah. And I suppose that the te- if the teacher believes that he is the source of all knowledge... I, I don't um, think it is. I think teachers who do that are the less confident. I mean, yeah. that's an opinion, of course. Yeah, but yeah. I think that it's, a com- it's the teachers who lack confidence who are so... I don't know, in, insistent on their superiority of knowledge and, and horribly... And that's a response to their own insecurities. Yeah. yeah. And I think that some teachers, actually, that becomes their, their identity that's as right. a teacher mm. uh, and then it starts to spill over into... They're not only right about English, they're also right ab- about why the, the modern system of hair cutting is inferior and why the system that was used in... Is this the beginnings of a dictator waiting to... I think some teachers become dictators. Um, and they, the, they step outside of their area. Yeah. They, um, the thing is that in classrooms like this, there's no creativity, there's no curiosity, there's no... Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, are we ready for number four? Yeah. What Whatever number are we on? What number are we on? 
6.7. Okay, the next one is assume the students know nothing. Um, don't try and elicit because the students don't know anything. They're a tabula rasa, right? Okay. All right, so uh, you have to explain everything. You cannot expect that they have any background knowledge. Um, don't let them try to deceive you into believing that they've actually they've studied having, this before. Yeah, yeah. Um, when there's a new lesson, just go straight into it. You know, don't dilly-dally around with trying to find out what the students already know. That just wastes time. Okay, so don't don't go in and find out that they already know the topic because that's going to ruin your lesson and you'll have nothing to teach for the day. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're not wrong. No, well, that's not wrong from that sense because I, I have gone to class before to elicit something and gone, oh... Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, so I, I had a, I, I did a workshop recently, I'll tell you about this, it was, was actually quite scary. They asked me and two colleagues of mine to go in and do a workshop at the school about formative testing. Yeah. So we prepared this whole thing about what formative testing is and... and we should do a podcast on that last week. The, yeah. <laughs> Um, you forgot what we talked about last time, didn't you? Yeah. Anyway, formative testing was on my mind because of this thing. And we, when, when we went into the school, it was a three-hour workshop. Yeah. They knew everything. All these teachers were doing formative testing in their classrooms. They were, had projects going. They, and so the entire thing that we'd prepared was... Uh, Moot. Yeah. However, the thing is that the teachers weren't talking to each other about their formative testing. Okay, um, so, I mean, that's a workshop now. That's exactly. not training anymore, that's a it workshop. It becomes a workshop. So, yes, the students already know the thing that you're teaching, but that doesn't mean that they've got nothing to talk about. And they all, they all know it from the same perspective, and they all have the same depth of knowledge or areas of knowledge or... Yeah, well, that's actually what happened is they, don't, they all had the knowledge, but from different perspectives, and they all had different understandings. And some of them understood washback and some didn't. And some understood washback as a positive thing and some understood it as a negative thing. So there was actually lots of stuff to talk about. Okay. But it was, for the first 15 minutes, it was like, oh, this is a well, complete what am I mess. teach now? <laughs> yeah. anyway, I had the, all this material prepared. The, and the, the thing is that when students know something, this is the, there's quite a lot of research on schema and, yeah. and how background knowledge, the stronger a student's background knowledge is on a thing, the more learning takes place because the more f- secure they feel in their... Uh, and they can, they can fit it into their framework of known... Right and they're just plugging little gaps or building on those things or, or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the more background knowledge a student has, actually, the better. And our our lesson should start at the point where the students already f- know what they're talking about and then move into the unfamiliar territory. So actually, that happened to me recently. I had a lesson on third conditionals. It's an advanced class. Um, they're all IELTS 5, and they're trying to get up to IELTS 7, which is, wow. yeah, insanely daunting, but whatever. Um and I had third conditionals, and I, I took in, I, seriously, I took in like 12 activities, I took in like 10 hours worth of stuff, and it was a three-hour lesson, but I, I had all this stuff. So you were planned, you were prepared. I was prepared, and, and all the students could form the third conditional perfectly. There was when not, you walked in? There was not, as soon as I, and I did this slow, steady, incremental build-up into it as well. I started with a... Um, and they could all do it already. Well, well, actually, I only found out, it was a three-hour lesson, and I was, I built up to it, and 
I found that grammatically they could all form it. But what they all did is they all formed and went, oh, that's when I use it. Oh, well, that's great. So actually, they all knew exactly what I was going to teach from one angle, but they didn't know... They, they knew what it was, not why it was or how it was or and when it was. And could they use it all well? Uh, structurally, yes. Uh, I mean, they're a bit you know clunky because it's a complex structure, but structurally they could all use it. But it, it was the whole thing of them going, oh... But then would you say that that was a waste of three hours? No. I, I would say that I actually got through more material than I thought I would because... They're really good. They had the, they had the grammatical form, th- that was known, mm. you know, then, but the actual meaning of the sentences was was something else, and uh, I mean, we got through a lot of stuff, mm. and I can look at it from the one hand, which was all that careful prep that I did to make sure that it was introduced in such a logical sequence. Uh, that was a huge waste of time because they didn't need half of that. But the flip side of that was, wow, that really let the students come at it from a completely different perspective. And it it wasn't... I didn't have an assumption that they knew nothing. I did have an assumption that I would have to do quite a bit of steering and correcting, and, and I didn't have to do any of the, the grammatical correcting. But But besides that, I mean, even if the students do know what you're teaching... They still need the practice. They yeah. still need the opportunities to communicate with one another. So if there are if there are activities that are that involve student interaction, they're going to get tons of benefit from it. Yeah. Sometimes stuff you don't even know that's happening is happening. Okay, number seven point three. Um, I don't know what number we're on. I think it's twelve A. Sit still. Um, <laughs> so. Um, you need to know that you need to be comfortable at your desk. You need to stay put at the front of the class. You need to ensconce yourself, right, with your desk in front of you. Don't stand up. Don't move around the class. Don't fidget. Don't go and wander through the seats where the students are sitting. Um, I take it this goes hand in hand with make them come to you. Have you finished? Bring me your worksheet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll correct it for you. Tick, 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 cross, tick. Um, I mean, you, you really, you shouldn't be popping around the class unpredictably, you know, it's very unconventional and it's going to confuse the students and um, that's the sort of thing that creates discord and chaos. Okay. Um, I, I have nothing to say about that, but why? What? What? Why? What? Okay, so, I mean, the, the opposite of Luke's argument here is if if you don't do these things, you'll have an interesting class. Okay, so this yeah. is how to be boring. So be boring by sitting still at the front. And I have had teachers who sit... At the front. All lesson. Yeah. One of the schools that I work with, the owner has a anti-sit-down policy. If she looks Ooh. through the... Yeah, if she looks through the window and sees the teacher sitting down, the teacher gets into trouble. Teachers are not allowed to sit during the class. And I actually kind of... Okay, I think that's a bit dictatorial, but I, I kind of like that. I think it's like hugely that. dictatorial. Yeah. I disagree with it completely. She's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. <laughs> not. I mean, the thing is, the worst thing that a teacher can do is mark. It while they're teaching. While, while they're, they're teaching, yeah. Uh, I don't... Uh, no, that's not true. No, it's terrible. Don't, don't mark while you're teaching. The um, students are writing an essay. No, well, why are they writing an essay in class? Damn it. Because it has to be a timed 20-minute 
practice task for the test tomorrow. Okay, so it's like a mock exam. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's a crazy lesson. That's very unusual. For an ESL class, that's unusual. Okay, um, so we're, what we're supposed to be taking away from Luke is uh, here, are, here are the do's, so you learn the don'ts that are actually the do's, because right. my, my do's are don'ts. Huh? His do's are don'ts. His, so he, we should be doing his don'ts, not his we do's. We should be don'ting his do's. He says don't, he says sit still and... and he says do, so... We don't we do learn, yeah, don't yeah. do the do, do don't, the don't. Don't sit at your desk and mark. Please, man, don't mark. Yeah. Okay, so the whole move around thing. Yeah. Uh, what if all the students are busy? What's the point of walking around the classroom? They're well, all busy and they're all on task. And They are. Um, and you should be in there helping and um, seeing. I mean, the thing is that if you're free, really, yeah. if you're free and, and all the students are busy with the task... That's your opportunity to schmooze with the students and find out who they are and get to know them. And as you walk around and the students listen to the students interacting with one another, they might be doing it in their L1. Okay. And you can encourage them to try and do it in their L2. Or three or four. Whichever. Because that's the point of the lesson. Okay. You can maybe hear some errors that okay. you could deal with later on if... If, if they're common. If they're common, yep. Uh, you could just have fun and find out what kind of things the students are talking about. And okay. Mm-hmm. You could get to know the students and, and realise, hey, these guys are really cool. So it's uh, rapport building. Yeah. And it's you getting feedback, feedback on the efficacy of whatever your target topic is. Right. And it's monitoring students' on-task behaviour or L1, U, L2 use. Okay. I'm waiting is is there something else? Yeah, I was oh. waiting. Or oh, oh, what's the other yeah, one? Pretty good. Oh. Um, that students need to know that they're doing the right thing. Oh, when oh. the teacher walks around, yeah. they, they notice that the teacher's walking around. Yeah. And if the teacher stops and listens in and, and then moves along... I should turn my phone off. They, they know that they're in the wrong for leaving their phones on during the <laughs> <laughs> if the If the student sees the teacher, the teacher walks over, listens in, glances at their thing, whatever... The students now know that they are on track. Right. You're actually giving feedback to them in a non-verbal, non-intrusive. And I do a thing in in class quite a bit where uh, I'm standing near some students looking at another student, and the student that I'm looking at thinks I'm monitoring them, but I'm not. I'm actually monitoring the student that I'm listening to. Yeah. Because when I was staring at them, they went, "Um, yes, and now I will concentrate on... (laughs) The sentence, right, teacher? So, and then when I turn away and look at the other student, they start concentrating, but uh, I get to listen and go, what are they actually doing here? Yeah. I had a... In one school, I was... I had a very small class. There were only 10 students or something, and they went horseshoe. And I found that it was best to listen to everybody if I sat at the head of the horseshoe in my chair. So while they were in pairs, okay. I just sat and I listened. And in one of the classes, one of the students said to me, but you don't know what we're talking about. Because I wasn't actually They moving. didn't know that you knew. I didn't know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd say that is part of it. That was the, a, the psychological knowing. role of the teachers monitoring me and watching that I'm doing what I'm Which supposed to. Which is actually a really fine line because there's also the look. Well, the creep, yeah, that's right, yeah. No, no, the look where yeah. you you stand over a student. Oh, I know, that's and right. And they, they sit there nervously going, uh, the no, but right that's the thing, you should move. You should move around. Uh, I mean, you need yeah. to just stroll. And You know, strangely enough, though, I've got a flip side to this, which is... Um, it was probably 10 years into my teaching when I learned that you actually can sit 
Like for the first ten years, I never sat. I I think that there is a there is a involved sitting and an uninvolved yeah. sitting. I think that there is a way of sitting in the classroom, and and keeping eye contact with everybody. And I, I found that the dynamic changes a bit when, when I'm standing, I'm so obviously in charge. But when I'm sitting, I get a lot more back and forth mm. between students. And so I do deliberately, I drag my chair into the head of the horseshoe and I sit not behind my desk but in the head of the horseshoe. Right. And I find that does work, but I still... Because it takes the power away from you. You know, yeah. I, had a, I had a situation where I, I had a call, the students were doing a task and I had a call and I left the classroom and I hate doing that, but it was important. So. Okay. And when I went back in, the students said, no, no, we're not finished yet. They thought I'd left the classroom to, to keep give them... give them a moment to finish. Uh, yeah. And they kicked me back out again. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah. You've cre- uh, fostered a nice uh, atmosphere of independence. Autonomy. Yes, yeah. autonomy. Okay. Autonomy. Be predictable. So, um, it's important that the students know what's going on at every point of the lesson, um, and your lesson should have a clear beginning, middle, and end, and there should be no newfangled thing. Yeah. Um, techniques that confuse the students. Everything should be something that the students can predict and understand okay now I, this is boring I should turn that off Bing too <laughs> how, many, how many other things are there to switch off here um, <laughs> you were saying before you were so rudely interrupted by your own technology <laughs> uh, variety okay yes have lots of variety I think that's a double edged argument you know, with kids, I agree. With kids, you want predictability because uh, it makes them feel... Not necessarily predictability, but some sense of routine and normalcy where uh, we're expected... Oh, it's the stand-up. We know what we do when we stand up and we get in a line or yeah, we stand yeah. in a circle or we... I mean, uh, and we always start a song. We always start with a song. But you see, even then, okay, we always start a lesson with a song, but there's variation in that. Yeah, and um, it's not the same song with it's the, not same the same body song. movement. No, and same. I can say today, okay, the boys are going to sing first, and then the girls are going to sing second, or everybody's going to sing yeah. together. So there's variation within my predictability. Um, yeah. So there's uh, novelty and chaos are not the same thing. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. Ooh, nice. I like it. Thank you. I mm. said it myself. You did, my indeed. Lips and okay, tongue. well, we're running out of time, so I have to go faster now. Okay, go faster now. Speak in a monotone. <laughs> that's very boring. Okay, I'm going to move along because that's pretty clear. No, please speak in a monotone because that helps all students learn inflection. Actually, when I listen to myself in these podcasts, I think to myself, I sound pretty boring. I wonder if I'm like that in class. Okay. Make sure students are idle. You listen to yourself? I do. I that, listen that, to that, these... Is that like watching yourself teach on video? Oh, my God. Is that's that... horrible. <laughs> okay, so it's not as bad as that. It's not okay. as bad as that. That's suicide stuff. Uh, watching myself teach. And to think that my students have to sit watch in my class and watch teach. me teaching. Oh, yeah. God. Actually, that's, that's the best cure for taking control of a class. Just remembering what I'm like when I'm taking control of a class. <laughs> <laughs> I'd better sit down and let the students do something. Make sure the students are idle. Okay, that's easy. And the last one, oh no, there's two more. Lose your students. Um, so Just to go off on a tangent. Yeah, to be, to be a really good, boring teacher, make sure your students are not quite sure what you're talking about. Um, and uh, never pause, never ask any concept check questions, never check that they understand you. 
Don't speak slowly because that's going to help them to catch up with you. Well, you pause and give them a chance to ask a question like, what? Yeah, yeah, no, you don't want that. That, that, that'll, that'll imply that... Mm. Mm. Okay, and the last one... Is a car alarm. Oh, the last one is, make sure that you have all your bells and whistles on devices switched on at maximum volume at all times. No, I'll tell if you what. If possible, get a colleague to park their car outside of the classroom and randomly set off the car alarm. Well, how many other things and could then, make a noise in And here? then ignore it and speak over it and pretend that it's not happening and do not acknowledge it in any way whatsoever. You know what we don't have today is we don't have the cat rubbing up against the microphone. No, but this chair's got extra squeaky. I'm really okay, impressed. Anyway, the I last have one a rustly is... Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> keep talking. Okay, okay, we'll keep talking. And then well, we'll that's, that's the last one about how to be a boring teacher. Never shut up. I think that's also a confidence thing. I, I don't want to be asked a question. And I, I've felt for teachers before. I've seen them teaching something and known that they don't know how to explain something. So they've said to the students, all right, so here's the, here's the thing. There is a difference between must and have to, and the difference is that must is more of an internal obligation which is implied from some outside force, whereas have to <laughs> is an obligation which comes from yeah, but the self or, the, or the a is, rule. Now, I know that they seem almost the same. They kind of sound interchangeable. So what I'd like you to do is, in the blanks here, just fill in the blanks with one of these words. Right. Here's Come on. Exercise. Come on, do it now. Um, the, the thing is that some teachers believe that you teaching means explaining. Yeah. Um, and that's where this comes from. Uh, you don't understand what I've just said? Okay, let me explain it again in a more convoluted fashion because that's really what's happening here. Uh, the, I, I kind of feel for that teacher. Well, I, we've all been there, haven't we? I mean, the oh, thing yeah. is, you... you with time, you realize that contextualizing or demonstrating is yeah. much more effective. Allowing students to experiment is much more effective than explaining. Um, Showing, not telling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sign of a teacher who isn't boring and therefore... So there you are. That's our boring teacher from Luke Podromo. Okay, so next time I'm going to find the thing that a, an odd trainer gave me once about the, the best ways to handle discipline in the classroom. We'll drag that in. Oh, all right. It's okay. a list like this. Okay. Yeah, this is, a, this is like a spoof. Uh, parody? Parody. So it says here that Luke is a teacher and teacher trainer with the British Council in Thessalonica, which is in Greece. And he's written books and articles and stuff. Right, Steve. Good, powerful ending. Yeah, there. yeah. So anyway, right. So Steve, uh, hang on. I need to tell you where this article comes from, right? Um, Google. Yeah, this I'm, I'm pretty sure with information that his name is Luke from Greece. I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, it was in a magazine called English Teaching English Professional, which I actually don't have access to. It's a closed journal, and you have okay. to buy. So I'm. Um, uh, I'm reading it as a as a P, uh, not a PDF. Four stolen pages from Google Image. Preview. Images. I'm reading it as an image. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but it's very interesting and it's really well written. It's lots of fun. And if you want to be a boring teacher, read it and do exactly what it says. And if you don't, read it and do 
not the exact opposite of what he says, but, but something like that. Something like that. So um, that actually brings us back to we did a podcast once on whether or not teachers should read stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we did that podcast. Okay. I remember that. That article, from what you're telling me, it's not a dense article. No, not at all. It's oh. lots of fun, actually. Yeah. It's an article, and reading can be that. I mean, reading doesn't have to be dense academia. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Well, this reading, English language professional or whatever, is a magazine. It's a yeah. magazine for teachers, and it's it's got lots of high-end people like Luke. I mean, Luke Podrima has written books and stuff, as it says. Um, and uh, but and stuff. <laughs> Well, it actually doesn't say stuff, but and I'd also I'd several things. Uh, just added that, but um, they've got something written here after Luke's by Mario Rinvalutri. Rinvalutri. I'm not going to help you at all with that. Yeah, and because I know how to pronounce it, but I'm not going to help. Do you? Yeah. Tell me. Oh no, that would be just. just you know, that would take away from your opportunities for Anyway, Mario, with his really long surname, wrote an article. And it's also quite easy to read. So there's lots of fun okay. stuff here. Mm. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Okay. Right, have, have we waffled? Yeah. Do we have a sponsor today? Oh, today's sponsor is Pause the Podcast while I think of one. <laughs> no, well, we'll leave that sponsor for next time. Okay, then. so today we're sponsored by teachers who always prepare things ahead of time, particularly their wrap-ups. That's it. Have a great... Whatever day of the week it is in whatever time zone you're in. Right. Playful Waffle is proudly brought to you by the Non-Stop Wafflers. And Steve, for any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tefolwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.tefolwaffle.com.